Oh, hey, everybody. Uh, this week we are joined, and by we, I mean I am joined by uh, my friend Carly Rearson. She is an up-and-coming music artist from Alberta, Canada. And uh, yeah, we sit down to talk about her journey through music, her journey through life really as well, as they're pretty interconnected. Uh, we talk some movies, we talk a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, it's it was, a, it was a really fun time. I hope you guys get uh, a, a kick out of what we talked about, uh, including what I think should be her next feature album. And, uh, yeah, if you guys want to support her by, you know, purchasing any music, we're going to have a link to her website as well. She is totally found all over um, streaming sites like uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, all those sorts of ways. So definitely check her out. And, um, yeah, this is the the intro that we're doing for her, actually, is some of her own music. You're going to hear a little bit at the end as well. And uh, so this is Michigan Man. Michigan Man You're an old soul with a wild heart Searching for a better start Drifting after you Michigan man There's a better way Than this road That you have paved Until then The trail will take you home Back to Michigan So I'll write it in this song and send it down 
Let's dive into this. But first, obviously, I want to introduce you. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we got, we are rolling already, just so you're aware. And uh, yeah, this is Carly Rearson, which for, I won't lie to you. For the longest time, I always said Ryerson. Most people do. And I felt like such an idiot up until when I came and saw your concert the other week. And you what? said Rearson. And I was like. Have I been pronouncing it wrong for like literally several years? So I had That's no hilarious. idea. Oh so shoot! I uh, I'm I'm happy we got that fixed now. Oh, uh, man. But we've known each other for how many years now? When did you? I don't know. Like when did you uh, first come for that workshop? That's when I first met you. That was like three and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up on four in February. Oh my gosh! Yeah, see, so we've known each other for a little while now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a good time. I think you are one of very few students when I was working in the admissions department at Prairie that um, that I like actually hung out with, and not yeah. because of like basketball commitments or anything like that. So it was like. Well, I never played basketball, well, so that's good. <laughs> I know, I know, but <laughs> just more than like, yeah, we we hung out, uh, you know, in the evenings and whatnot. And I think um, it's because I was a mature student, which depressed absolutely. me coming into. I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm old. Um, so all all of my friends in my first year were graduating, and I was a freshman because we were all the same age. Right. So. Yeah, I think that's maybe it. Or maybe I'm just really, really cool. Had to make some uh, 18, 19-year-old <laughs> friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, t- let me tell you, it's a humbling fact. I am currently in university and hanging out with, like, way younger people is an eye-opener. Yeah, it's just, weird. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a different different way of life. But it's funny because you still see the exact same, like, people groups you have the guys who show up and do nothing you have mm-hmm. the group that is like i clearly hang out with all the like jocks and i didn't even intend for that but like the one guy I hang out with in two of my classes is on the soccer team and then two of the other guys who are they're hilarious but like they're total like into like hockey and uh like they don't seem like they take school seriously but then they're like two of the smartest guys in the class right oh yeah yeah and then you have all like the geeks at the front of the class that ask a million questions every session and you're like good grief so yeah yeah. well you're you're a sporty guy you're into sports it's true yeah it's it's a great way to like start conversation for me or at least weed out who i can have a conversation about it with I feel like most guys do that. It's like, okay, can we talk about sports? No, yes. Okay, now we can be friends. Absolutely. Well, see, and that's the weird part because I I do have friends who aren't into sports as well. uh, And it's like made me work at finding like different subjects and like kind of finding new interests to to discuss with them. Like take Mm. a guy like Eric who he'll talk hockey with you. But aside from hockey, he – 
is not really into any other sport. And so it's like I have to figure out different things to talk uh-huh. about with Eric uh, than, you know, sports. Whereas, like, right. Ben and I can talk about basketball for four hours a night every day. Oh, man. And we'd probably never get sick of it. Just Well, I mean, maybe we'd get sick of it, but uh, just because it's just who we are. So Yeah, I kind of do that with, like, my common ground conversation is movies or TV. Like, yeah. so what, what are you watching lately? Absolutely. What can we talk about? And, and with my cousins, like I don't really have a lot in common with my cousins, but we all love movies. So we go to movies together. It's kind of that thing that just kind of breaks the barrier of awkwardness. No, that's a, see, but you have to have those things, right? With every, yeah, even with every totally. friendship and everything. Right. So no, that's awesome. Well, let's, let's dive into a bit of who you are. Um, we obviously have your name out there, but we know mm-hmm. nothing else really about you. So break it down for us. Tell us where you grew up, about your family, um, and that sort of thing. Uh, well, I grew up on a dairy farm just outside of Leduc, Alberta. Uh, my mom grew up there, and so that's where I grew up. And I have two older brothers, and they're both married, and I have four um baby nieces under the age of three and I love them they're a lot of fun um yeah that's a little about how where I was I went to um high school and all that schooling in Leduc and then um went off to college for music and worked and went to Prairie College again for music and right now I'm in Calgary yeah, and, which I never thought I'd be in Calgary. And just doing your thing now. Yeah. I had no idea that it was your mom's side of the family that was the farmer. So your dad basically married into like a farm family. Yeah, he grew up in Edmonton and okay. wanted to be a farmer when he grew up. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so my my mom actually the longest of her family to live on that farm because my grandpa's family they homesteaded there when he was like I don't know how old he was um young Mm -hmm. so um yeah it's been in my mom's side of the family for years and that whole side of the family lives around that area and farms we have a family reunion every year we have it coming up next summer and there's over 400 of us oh what yeah. 400 people. Oh, my god. Yes. Oh. Hello. Hello to any omens listening to this. Oh, my goodness. 400. Yeah. I can't even get it. Oh, wow. I, don't I mean, I don't do think they people. all they all don't show up. Right. But there's usually a good chunk of like 300 ish. And my family, my great grandma's side of the family makes up half of it. There's 150 of us. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, though, that, like, you get together for that sort of a thing. Oh, yeah. it's It started, I think, in the late 80s um, and then just kind of grew because the, the great grandparent generation started dying at that point. Right. And so we do it. Three years was too close. Five was too long. So we do it about every four. And, yeah, we have a picnic. My dad and I run the candy booth. Oh, my gosh. Um, there's food and games, and um, we're all um, Christians, or most of us, so there's, like, church services, and yeah. 
yeah. all this. Yeah, just a lot of lot of stuff happens. Baseball games and oh yeah, my god, that's like a yeah. small like community. It is. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Wow, that's that's really cool though. That's exciting. So, how long does it go for? Like, is it just a weekend or is it it's, like a week? It's a August long weekend. Okay, so you guys kind of yeah. like start Friday and so then run till Monday. Yeah, we party. Yeah. Wow. We have our we have a talent show and Oh my the pic- goodness. Yeah, the picnic's kind of the big day where we have baseball and and the candy booth and burgers and Yeah. Um you hang out. Oh, we all have color-coded shirts. <laughs> so, <laughs> depending on what family you're from, you wear the color-coded shirts. So navy blue, which is my family takes up most of that and we right. get a photo. We get a family photo. So it's like a giant M&Ms shot with all the different colors oh my this is so i'll send this, you a photo i want one <laughs> this is so cool only because i mean my family is not i mean i have no no issue with my family but i wouldn't say that like my extended family is like close by any means mm-hmm. um i i don't keep up with a single one of my cousins really right um and heck, I don't even really keep up with my own brother all that much. But uh, my mom went to a family reunion once. I remember that. But like, definitely not four hundred people, and definitely not <laughs> this organized. That's so cool, though. That's really exciting yeah, that you guys have yeah, such like a, a committee. Yeah. A com- Are you on the committee? <laughs> no, but I'm helping this year. I'm doing the photo directory. Yeah. So it's like a big like album of all the photos <laughs> of the families and yeah, it's wild. But That's... my family, like the Navy Blues, we get together every Boxing Day, and that used to be mm. at the house I grew up at. So until I was about ten, wow. we would have we would have like eighty ish eighty ish people in our house on Boxing Day. Okay, so this is like a, a way of life for you then, because you just grew up with this being like oh, yeah. the norm. Family all the time. We used to do gift exchanges at those things, like 80-something people passing oh around gosh. gifts. Because they were close. Like my grandparents or my grandpa and his siblings were close. And so it was just kind of keeping that going. And we still do it, not at my place, but um, in Leduc. Every Boxing Day, there's about 100 people. Wow. We plan out the meals and yeah. So it's really as I, when I was a teenager, I was kind of like, this is kind of lame. It was more fun as a kid because you can play. Yeah. And then as an adult, I was like, eh. But now as I grow older and older, I really value that time. Yeah. Seeing, seeing people, you don't get along with everybody. You don't connect with everyone, but there's people that you just, they're family and you care about and you have really good conversations. So it's fun. Wow, that's really cool. And I think what's really neat is it's been going on for so long for you. Yeah. And, like, eventually it's then going to be this next generation that you fall into who's going to be mm-hmm. in charge of, like, keeping this continuing Hopefully. on, right? Yeah, that's been the challenge. Is this, is it going to last? Does it need to die? You know, you bring in in-laws and it just gets more complicated. You right, know? right, yeah. yeah. Wow, well, from someone who does not have any sort of a family <laughs> like this, that sounds like the greatest thing on earth. And, I mean, I would hate to plan it because that's probably just so much work. Yeah. But I will say, uh, yeah, like, that's 
That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. It's fun. I'll send you pictures. I'll keep you involved. <laughs> yeah. You can live I, vicariously I, through me. <laughs> I, I so badly want to be, like, I want to see how this turns out. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Okay, well, before we jump, like, I, I do want to, like, break down an interview, but I don't want to cheat the people of uh, <laughs> our pop culture minute that has become yes. such a near and dear thing. And so right. Tarek's usually here to skeptically, you know, doubt my ability at doing this. But uh, for those... I that, can do that. <laughs> for those that have been listening, uh, last week I sent out a list of 50 movies that I plan on watching in the next year. Ooh, and, I need to see this list. Sorry, yeah. I'm a bad listener. No, 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 it's okay. Check out our Facebook page. Um, and it's all on there. Um... And, uh, yeah, so I've watched two in the last week, uh, Saving Private Ryan and Shawshank Redemption, which, I mean, these are movies that I've seen before, but I'm trying to look at them in a different light, kind of a way that I've, I guess, like, trying to watch them with, with no opinion of the movie and just, like, get a feeling of how characters are feeling. I know this probably sounds super pretentious to people, like who is this D-bag talking about movies this way? <laughs> uh, but I I really began to appreciate Saving Private Ryan when I watched it, you know, um, this last week. And I was like, man, like, war is a scary thing. And, you know, I think the cool thing about this one in particular is I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of war movies out there that depict war as being this, like, really heroic, exciting um thing and it's it's how i think a lot of young people get caught up in the idea of joining the army or any armed forces um and this one i think really shows a different light where these guys are scared and you know you see during this opening battle scene if you haven't seen saving private ryan you definitely just got to click on netflix and watch it i haven't seen it oh my gosh i'm i was it came out when I was a kid, and so, yeah. like, I think I saw, like, one of the opening scenes in school, and mm-hmm. it was just, like, traumatizing. Oh, yeah. The opening scene, which is, like, a half hour long, yeah, is devastating, but you also see these guys who get shot full of bullets, and they are lying there knowing that they're about to die, and they are, like, crying out to go home, crying out for their mothers, Whoa. and, like... You see, I think, the true reality of how a lot of these guys really felt. Yeah. It's not this, like, you get shot full of bullets and you keep walking forward like you're just going to go and take down the German army by yourself sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was, it's very heartbreaking to see that these, you know, a lot of these guys being young soldiers um, probably had no idea what they were getting themselves into until it becomes a reality and bullets are flying at you. And yeah. it's like, wow, like... I, I could die very instantly um, as you watch dead bodies fall, you know, left and right of you. And uh, it just, oh, man, is it ever, it's tragic to the max. And, you know. And I think I think in light of, of November, uh, Novembrance, Remembrance Day this last weekend, yeah. you know, I never really think about war that much except if i'm watching a movie but to reflect on it again it's like it's really heavy and i i you know you celebrate it as a 
a kid in elementary school. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I really think we take it for granted and take for granted the weight of how tragic that was. Like, I think we're really desensitized to war now because of pop culture. But as you said, back in the day, they didn't know what they were getting into. There hadn't been anything like that before, maybe in their life. Oh, absolutely. That that going into that, it's it's like anything. And I think, yeah, maybe that's the problem nowadays is we see this all on movies and, and think it's so cool yeah. and heroic. Yeah, let's go shoot people. Let's, you know, these video games. And yeah. But the reality is you're still going to go you know, it's still scary. You're still going to cry. You're still going to want your mom. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the the other thing I began to think about is how when you're in this, like, time of vulnerability, when death is knocking on the door, I think that's a lot of the time where you see the true character of people probably. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've never, like, witnessed anyone, like, truly at the point of death or anything like that. But I think that's when when you really begin to see who someone like truly is at their at their deepest core, what they what they value the most, like these guys crying about mm-hmm. wanting to go home and and mm-hmm. crying out for their mothers and stuff like you can tell that these are the things that they hold closest. Now, obviously, it's a movie and a depiction, but I don't think it was probably that far off from what a lot of these guys probably felt as they they were on the verge of death. Yeah. Um, and then. To completely switch it, I watched Shawshank Redemption, which hands Love down... Love that movie. It's, it's hands down my favorite movie, and I never like telling people how it ends, basically, um, because there's a huge, awesome plot twist in it, and even though oh, yeah. it, it came out in 1994, and you can read the plot online through Wikipedia, whatever you want, um, I never like spoiling it for anyone, because I want them to watch it, and it's... It's so good the first time, and it's even better the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth time. It's, yeah. To me, it's it's easily one of the most rewatchable movies I've ever had. Hands down. Hands down. I could watch that movie every day and never get sick of it. I love it. Hmm. And yeah, so, it's good. Yeah, man. You just see, again, characters that just like transform from when they first show up in this prison to when they leave and and their mentality shifts on how they view authorities and, and mm-hmm. fellow prisoners. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. Totally. That's, you know, I was watching an interview with Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, that movie was what kickstarted his narrating career. Really? Yeah. Wow. The whole, you know, the voice of Morgan. Yeah. So, which, and that, that's so iconic for that movie. Oh, absolutely. You know, how it starts and just his voice. That's, that's what kind of makes that, that's what makes that movie stand out from any other prison. It's totally true. It is. Yeah. And, you know, people forget how good Morgan Freeman is. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, there are a few people, I think, in Hollywood that have just like such a long lasting career, one that is full of like so many great movies. Yeah. And also like how do I describe it? Like he really does like have his fingerprints in a lot of like just good films and you're right, his voice is easily one of the most to me one of the most iconic in in Hollywood. Totally. Yeah. Cuz anyone can pick up Morgan Freeman's voice, you know? Yeah. It's very true. Have you ever seen uh, 
him narrate that that uh, vulgar children's not book no about no <laughs> you got, i'll yeah, have you to youtube got, this afterwards yeah fans you can you can youtube it it's hilarious oh man yeah okay so just type into google folks morgan freeman <laughs> narrates what what's the Chil- book called? i don't know you could put it's like go the f to sleep or something like that oh it's hilarious kids don't don't watch it who uh who wrote this book it was oh no it's by okay i know like yeah okay by adam mansbach yeah if you write morgan freeman go the f to sleep like literally the letter f um into google it'll come up as a youtube clip and uh, i'm definitely gonna watch this after this oh yeah you want you to know that (laughs) (laughs) tribute to morgan Oh, also, man. when I was a kid, Morgan Freeman was God and Bruce Almighty. That rocked my world. That's right. That so good. Who better to play him than Morgan Freeman? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like Morgan Freeman just comes off as this very like saintly human altogether. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so good. It it only works that it's Morgan Freeman. You know. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, let's let me. I know that you're obviously a music or movie fan. Um, yeah. We watched you and I actually watched a bunch of classics I had never watched before, like Jaws, what, the James Bond movies. Yeah, uh, you oh, know what? Yeah. I, I we watched Jaws together. Uh, yeah. We watched E.T. We watched about five James Bond movies. Yes. Um, we watch Indiana Jones. These are all yes. movies I never watched before, oh, and I love wow, every one yeah, of them. Wow, yeah, I forgot. And yeah. Uh, we, yeah, that was, to this day, uh, I haven't even watched many more James Bond movies. Like, I've never seen one with uh, Roger Moore or Timothy Dalton. <gasps> but, oh, Timothy Dalton's are kind of lame, but you got to see The Man with the Golden Gun. Okay. With Roger Moore. Level with me. Is it better or worse than Goldfinger? Because to me, that's, oh, it's, that's it's my favorite more one. cheesy. Goldfinger is like, it's like the best. Like it's known yeah. to be like the best Bond. Um, like, that was a genuinely mistake, like just straight up good movie. It was good. I I think I read a quote. It was Steven Spielberg. I'm pretty sure that said that that was one of his favorite movies or favorite Bond movies was Goldfinger. Um, It's just a well, it's a well done film. The Man with the Golden Gun. It's Roger Moore's are a lot cheesier. The cars in Roger Moore's versions went. It was in the 70s, so they were a little bit more American. Okay. Well, a little bit more. They were more American cars and. So if you're not into that, um, you can watch Top Gear does a special on on all the Bond cars. Oh, well, they did is, one on, like, different Bond things. Like, if that guy Jaws could chew through yeah, yeah, yeah. Cable, that, that was, was entertaining. Yeah. yeah. So Man with the Golden Gun is kind of iconic because the, the villain is um, Scaramanga. Scaramanga. In, yes. And is um, Saruman in Lord of the Rings. Oh, Christopher Lee. Yeah. Man, that guy and, is... Oh. And he has a third nipple. That's what. That's like one of his like tells <laughs> in, in the movie is his third nipple. Wow. 
Yeah. It's so it's like it's just funny. We watched it a lot as as kids. That was Goldfinger and the Man with the Golden Gun were some were our favorites. Okay. So it's just like a entertaining one to watch. Um, but then there's like ones like Moonraker that that was kind of when um, Star Wars came out and the space race stuff. Oh, okay. So they did like the outer space and it was just not not good. Super campy and just ridiculous. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I'm not a huge fan of the Timothy Dalton ones. Okay. Pierce Pierce was kind of when when we were kids and those yeah. came out. Those were the first ones we watched. Golden Eye. And you could get the video game. Oh my gosh, that was yeah. To me, that was like transformational to my child. I didn't even know what a Nintendo sixty four, but <laughs> yeah. I had friends who did, and we used to spend hours playing that stupid game. <laughs> yeah, wow. my brothers had it. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, Bond. Yeah, we watched. We watched a lot of Bond. Oh man. Okay, lay down. Some of your favorite movies you've watched lately. I want to know. Lately. Give these people something. If they haven't checked these out, you got to watch these. Okay. Um, lately, I kind of don't really remember. I try to okay. go to a movie once a week. Um, yeah. I also usually go to movies by myself. Yeah. Um, for all any of you who are scared to do that, do it. It's liberating. <laughs> um, I... Okay, Baby Driver. Ooh. Um, was not. I'm not going to classify it as one of my favorites, but it was fascinating, and I didn't realize this until after I watched it. Was that it was an action musical? Interesting. And so, all the fight scenes are choreographed to the songs that are playing during the action scene. And the main actor had headphones in because that's part of his story as tinnitus. Um, and he would listen to the music um, while the action scene was going. And then everyone else, the music would be blasting while they were choreographing and shooting the action scene. So the soundtrack is huge because there's always music going, but everything is choreographed. So I'd like to see it again now that I know that, but as a film, like it was entertaining. It's, you know, the right. music was great. Um, so for that fact, if you can go and see it, knowing, um, this choreographed, you know, musical action film, I think it's very interesting and very, it's new, it's unique. Um, so that's worth a watch, um, for any adults. It's not necessarily for kids. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay. Um, the reason why I mentioned that, not, again, not like, I'm not going to classify it as my favorite, but I think it was a very important film because it touched on vulnerability in a way that I think a lot of mainstream superhero type movies don't. Um, have you seen it, Matt? I haven't seen that one. Okay. The first one was hands down one of my favorite ones that Marvel's put out. Okay. This one, I wouldn't, I don't know. It was good. I really enjoyed it. Um, but just on that emotional level, um, Rocket and the the Blue, see, I'm horrible with names. I'm a fan of all these movies. I can the blue tell you the chick? characters. No, the blue guy, like the, the guy oh, that kidnapped. Oh, Yondu. Sure. Um <laughs> 
you know, and even the relationship between Chris Pratt's character um, and the green chick. See, I'm horrible with names. Her name's Gamora, um, folks. Thank there you. you. <laughs> um, now, no one's going to take me seriously about any of my movie opinions because I have no idea. <laughs> Don't remember a single character's are. name. Um, just how they have to learn about being vulnerable with their emotions, with what they're really feeling and what the fronts they put out to cover what's really going on and, and um, the concept of fatherhood between Yondu and Chris Pratt's character. Um, so I think that's important. Um, an important part of, of the movie and was intentional. And so I think it's a good, a good watch for sure. Okay. Okay. So with Christmas season rolling around, I know you love Christmas movies. I unpacked my Christmas movies last night. If you go onto my Instagram story, you can watch the Instagram story of how many I have. It's concerning. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not a huge Christmas movie fan, um, but I'll watch them. Oh, man. And on my list, actually, I have It's a Beautiful Life. Is that what it's called? It's It's a Beautiful Life? No. No. Just kidding. It's a Beautiful Life is an amazing film. That's the Italian film about war. Oh, just kidding. That's not the one I'm thinking. What's the one with uh, James Stewart? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful. That's the one I'm thinking of. That's a good movie for you to watch. That's a classic. Um, you should watch White Christmas, broaden your horizons, and White watch Christmas. a musical. Okay. Um, White White Christmas is fascinating for an, anyone. Okay, I, one of my roommates is Brazilian, and it's been fascinating how how little she knows about Christmas culture and how her Christmas traditions are nothing like ours. She doesn't know um, the Scrooge story. She doesn't know what? a Christmas Carol. Yeah, they don't know that. Wow. Yeah, so like things like that, I'm just like fascinated. So I was telling her about all these Christmas movies. Um, but I mean, you like you can't not go through Christmas and not watch Home Alone or Santa Claus. Absolutely, yeah. Or, <laughs> or yeah, it's or, I'm a huge Elf fan. Guys, I think I probably said this last year, but. Charlie Brown Christmas, hands down, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, without a doubt, those are my two favorite. I can't, I'm not a fan of Charlie Brown Christmas. What? It's just, to me, I don't know, it's not anything Him and his crappy little tree, and he's like... Yeah. Ugh. I, I think there's just, honestly, I think it's a hipster thing to like Charlie Brown Christmas and to get a, a <laughs> Christmas tree... I don't know. How to me, dare Mickey, you call Mickey's, me a hipster? Mickey's, well, you're not a hipster, <laughs> but I think it's a fad. I think liking and loving, I love the soundtrack. Yeah. Vince, Vince Guaraldi, which, you know, I love that. Um, but the story, it's, it's okay. Um, oh, I think that Mickey's Christmas Carol is better if we're going to talk short cartoons or Rudolph. The oh, claymation that Rudolph. crappy claymation? Oh, man, that's where it's at. And Frosty, the cartoon Frosty. Oh, no chance. Yeah, those are way better. I, I can't. I actually despise those two. <laughs> but I will say, 
I don't care what I'm doing. If I'm at home and Home Alone is on or Home Alone 2, yeah. I will oh. stop everything I'm doing and the watch second, it. The <laughs> second one is just as good. Oh, and it doesn't it's even hilarious. matter if there's only like 20 minutes left in the movie. I know that's when it gets wild. So I will yeah. stop whatever I'm doing and just finish watching it, regardless if it just started or if it's like an hour in. It's it's seriously, the most iconic scenes are literally the last 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. When he, they have to go through that house of pain yeah. every time. Like, that's my favorite oh, part, obviously. It's everyone's favorite but part. But Nash, National Lampoon's oh. just gets me. It's I love it. I don't have a favorite, just as the listeners can probably tell. I have like twenty that I have to watch every year. But twenty. Uh, oh, I have probably fifty Christmas movies. Wow. Yeah. Some of them I'm like I'm embarrassed to own these because they're <laughs> awful. But um, that's okay. Oh, see and. National Lampoon's is our go-to for like Christmas Eve. It's a didn't we watch that? Oh, we probably have. Yeah, I it's, think we did. It's easily one of my favorites. I could watch that. Like, it doesn't even have to be Christmas, but it just feels better <laughs> when it's Christmas. I love yeah, it that movie. Feel the same. Oh, it's my so gosh. funny. Yeah, we should probably talk about music, hey? Since uh, that's probably what I do. <laughs> yeah, hey, we yeah. should just start. We should just have a a, a movie podcast. Oh, we could. We could. We could. No, but I want to get into your music. Okay. <laughs> I will contain myself here because we could easily sit here and talk for another hour on this. But uh, let's, yeah, let's dive into this music. So break it down for me with the beginnings. When when did music really like start for you? Where did the influence come from? You know, was are your parents super musical? You know, that sort of thing. Um, my, my grandma was more the musical one. Okay. Um, she sang and played trumpet and coming from my, now that you know, I have an extremely large family. There's music, um, tons of music there. Um, people who play mandolins and sing and music teachers. Um, so, um, I started piano when I was in grade two taking piano lessons which now I'm teaching piano so it's it's fun to kind of relive some of my my early childhood memories teaching kids things that I was taught um so I did that for 10 years and in that time I I had a youth leader that taught me how to sing harmonies I didn't really sing in front of people I I sang Celine Dion in my bedroom with my hairbrush um but when it started, when I started to sing publicly was at church and then at school, I joined musical theater. Uh, and that's when people were like, oh, you can sing. Oh, my goodness. Like, what have you like? Why haven't we known this? So the first time my parents saw me sing was um, I was Ren's mom in the musical Footloose in high school. And um singing in front of 400 people they were like what the heck so after that it was kind of the rest is history I did some choir in high school and then I went to Grant McEwen um and pursued uh vocal jazz 
Um, jazz is kind of my favorite genre to sing. So that's kind of the background of um, why I did me or when I started and kind of it's just been this constant journey since then. Oh, wow. Okay. I had no... Hang on. Footloose as a musical, what songs are you singing? Footloose, um, like, were we singing? Yeah. Or... Like, um, I Need a Hero. Um, I Need a Hero. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Um Yes. What's the other one? Um, like Footloose, Foot, yeah. like the song, that one. Then there was some other like songs within the musical that were written for the musical. Okay. Um, I had no then, idea it was a musical or it could be oh, turned yeah. into one. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was Ren's mom, so I had this ballad with this other mom. And um, <laughs> I just remember that I had to say... I think I had to say, damn it. And I was like, in front of like my parents, I was like, oh no. (laughs) But, and I wore like my outfit for, it was all the eighties. So I, for my first outfit for the musical, I wore this bright teal um, dress suit. So it was like a skirt and dress, uh, a nice suit jacket. And I have a picture of when I was like one or two years old, my family photo and my mom was wearing that. So it was wow. just like f- flashback <laughs> to my childhood. That's awesome. Everyone just brought their moms and dads clothes from the 80s. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, okay. So then, wow. So you've just been doing music for the majority of your life then. Forever. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It was always a passion of mine. I always loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. were you guys like the family who like sang show tunes on road trips and like sang around the breakfast table and, you know, your dad's humming songs while he's cooking cooking breakfast for everyone? And No, my dad's not that that uh, chipper. Um, no. Um, my parents, like they sang in choir in church but they weren't outright musical um my brother my oldest brother and i were the most musical we all had to take piano lessons it was like you have to we had no choice um and so my oldest brother kept up with it and he was in a band for years called on the sidewalk bleeding um a metal band and he was the bass player and screamer and the one with the long hair wow so he, yeah, he's musical, and um, and then I just stuck with piano. Yeah. Um, so we weren't, no, we weren't into that. We weren't that close. <laughs> but music was such a part of our our existence. Like, that was when CDs came out. Like, I got my first CD player for Christmas. And, and you know, I think people really underestimate how music is part of um, their identity, and their childhood, how you connect it to your memories. And, and um, you know, even Christmas music, I started listening. I have my favorite Christmas album that I listen to that takes me back to decorating the house with my, with my mom, who's now not with us anymore. So I listen to it and cry, and right. then I move on and decorate the house. But it's, you know, it's such a part of your existence, whether you play it or not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Isn't that funny, though? Like, music is definitely that thing, right? Like, 
Mm-hmm. I, I've never played a single instrument outside of the recorder because you're forced to as a child in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and or ukulele. You, yeah, now they're that. getting a little more creative. They're getting a little <laughs> more creative in, in elementary school. But I I was not into music. I mean, I like listening to music, and I like a wide range of genre. Um, just like I do with like movies and all sorts of other media. Yeah. But, um, it's it's totally true. Like music is something that's just a constant, I think, in everyone's life. Yeah. Because there's always going to be those times when you're alone or it's quiet and you just nobody likes to just sit in quiet. So you you got to have some music going. Yeah. And well, so, that's not necessarily true. Well, I think yeah. People people there's many times where I just can't listen to music because really? it just becomes noise. I think, honestly, this is going to, here, this is my inner, who's your, Tarek, my inner Tarek coming out to call you out. I think you need, as a healthy human being, I think it takes an ability to be in solitude without noise. At some point in your existence, in your weekly rhythm or how you do life, I think if if you can't live in silence at some point that says something deeper about who you are deep okay yeah can i just point out folks it's <laughs> the inner Tarek because she contradicted my point not because of the philosophical point of view because Tarek is not that philosophical but but uh okay you've released an album yes what what's it now obviously there's a lot of work that goes into that yeah explain to people what Um, that process is like um it's not easy (laughs) i think a lot of people think being a musician is just a walk in the park and i think that's one of the biggest struggles of being a musician is being taken seriously by your friends and family yeah. Because they don't see it as a real job when it's probably more hours, more emotional energy. Um, it's like a 24-7 thing. Um, so putting an album together, um, I did it when I was at Prairie College. So I had the mentorship of my profs at that time to kind of get through those hurdles and mm-hmm. of, of producers and mixers and which I'm so thankful for because I wouldn't have been able to do that by myself because you just don't know. There's so much to do that you just don't know where to start. So you need songs first off and you need good songs, songs that people like songs that are written well. Um, And so to have those songs, you need to have life experience and, and memories and heartbreak and love and whatever you like to write about. Um, so beyond that, it's just a process of, you know, getting musicians and getting all the details worked out with iTunes or iTunes or whoever's printing it. And you need money. That's the biggest thing, you know, money rules the world, it seems. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and then you release it into the world and you kind of wait for, to see what happens, to see if people respond to it, if it becomes part of part of their soundtrack to their life. Okay. Okay. Now let me ask you this. When you were developing these songs, 
is it solely the idea that you love it so you feel like it needs to go on there or is it do you reach out for a lot of like criticism to see how well it sticks with other people um i always think about that only because a lot of like musicians i find today that are in like kind of pop music or just by pop music i mean just like popular music that you hear on the radio and everyone's kind of listening to um the whole album doesn't never sticks like there's there's a yeah. few singles off of it but people aren't for the most part um i can think of you know maybe two or three artists that i will listen to from track one to the end mm-hmm. um and so is it a matter of them just loving every song and you know the same for yourself or is it like are you actually getting people to go ooh that doesn't sound very good like maybe you need to work that one more before you actually like you know, set that in stone and, and say that this is my recorded track from my album? Um, I think if you're smart and you're um, a good a good musician, you will humbly invite people into your songs to allow critique. And it's scary. A lot of these songs are my heart and soul, and I don't want people to say that I, they hate it. <laughs> right, yeah. It's so personal, but... You know, we you have to learn that that um, having someone else's ears and opinion come in um, oftentimes makes it better. There's been many times where I'm like, I don't want to change that, but I'll try. You know, you can always try, and if it doesn't work, you can go back to your original idea that you love. But nine times out of ten, when I say that I'll I'll try to make the mistakes that you or um, change the mistakes that you suggested and I change it, something better ends up coming out of it. So it's, um, it's a mix of both. I, um, if you, if I didn't love music myself and didn't need to write songs for myself, um, I wouldn't do it. But at the same time, if people didn't love it, I probably wouldn't do it either. It's kind of, you need both sides People, you need people to like what you're doing to pay the bills, but you also need to love to, to do it, to love your life. Um, so when it comes to, you know, developing the songs, at the core of that is my response. It, that is a moment for me. No one else is a part of that process. That is my process to... Um, to process what I'm going through emotionally, whether it's heartbreak or, or um, loss or, or whatever I'm feeling, or just reflecting on something about this world, whether it's nature, um, something sad or happy. That's my, my job is to go through my internal dialogue about what I'm feeling. And that's how I process things. I, you know, I'm heartbroken and I'm sad. I'm not going to go and and play basketball. <laughs> I'm probably going right. to sit at the piano and cry until something comes out of me. Right. Um, so that's how, as an artist, that's how I need to get that release. Is um, That's how I, I grieve or I go through um, what I'm feeling is to write about it. Um, so that process is me, but beyond that, it takes inviting people in and throwing it out there and see what people 
say because a lot of times what you're going through emotionally um someone else has gone through and so that's that's where I love to share my music because I know I know that people are going to connect to it in some way or another and that that will bless them that will be maybe their oh I I totally know exactly how you feel I just never put it to words and you put it to words for me thank you like things like that so it's it's you have to have both you have to love it you have to have people love it too for sure for sure yeah no that's 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 deep that's deep okay <laughs> i'm glad i asked that actually uh okay so you put out the album then obviously uh the next step is you got to put together a tour you, you have to yeah. go and showcase this music to the world or as far of a reach you can uh, when you're an up-and-coming artist. You're not exactly flying on the private jet around the world to do the world tour yet. But hey, you saw me in Kamloops. You're darn right. So that's exactly it. So There was like five people there. <laughs> well, walk, walk me through how you put together your tours. And yeah, we'll, we'll start there. Um. Well, right now I'm too poor to own a manager or hire musicians. So I do all of it on my own. Mm -hmm. So I kind of plan where I want to go over, like, say, if it's a month or six weeks or weekends is kind of my main thing right now. Yeah. Um, And you plan out, you know, the locations. Then you got to find the venues that are at those locations. Mm Mm-hmm. You usually have venues in mind. And then you email. I'll make up an email that I send to people and just tell them what your vision is. And you have to do it in advance. Like you have to do this for six months, maybe even longer in advance. Yeah. So you're always trying to work ahead of yourself, which is very hard for me. Um, so my fall tour, I was booking that in like May, June-ish. Okay. Um, but it takes a while because some people don't respond to the calls or the emails. Um, so you call and you email until you, they tell you to go away or until they (laughs) have you come in. Yep. And, um, once you get the gigs, like you kind of have a general plan of like, okay, I want to be in this area, like the Okanagan Mm -hmm. on this weekend, you try and get one gig and then. It's kind of, it has to be um, kind of flexible depending on who gets you to come in. Because if you're not, okay, I wasn't able to get this gig at this weekend, so next weekend, and then you shift around, and it ends up working out uh, for the most part. Um, But it's just constantly being flexible and moving dates around and figuring it out and I'm doing all the driving too. I travel and commute to all these places. So can I drive this much? Can I make this? Where would I stay? And so this last tour, I was commuting to all these places. And then I had to commute back to Calgary to teach for my first half of my week. So it was a lot of driving. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you enjoy life on the road? Like, is it is it something you look forward to? Or is it like I prefer to be home um i'm definitely a homebody but Mm -hmm. i love to be on the road so it's kind of um 
uh, I know tours aren't going to last forever. So it's, it's a moment that you're enjoying that. Okay. I'm traveling last summer. Um, I, or two summers ago, I lived in a van for five weeks and traveled through BC. I loved that. Oh, that was amazing. Um, but you know, those things always come to an end and I love being home. I love going out to the farm and being there. So it's kind of just like taking, taking them as they come and enjoying those moments as they come. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's hard for me sometimes because I'm one of those musicians that like dreads the gig the entire day before. (laughs) It's like, why am I doing this? I don't want to be here. And then I'll do the gig. And then after it's like, that was amazing. (laughs) Just you know, feel like so it's satisfying just, afterwards. It, yeah, it's just this emotional roller coaster. But usually when I'm on tour, I'm like prepared for those things and I'm ready. I know that this is why I'm here and you have the whole drive to prepare. And yeah, I do like it. Okay. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, let's, let's talk about expectations if we can. I don't know how deep we can really get into this uh, because I obviously don't want to like put pressure on you to give like some really strong answer but like when it comes to uh being a musician do you immediately have ideas of where you aspire to be one day or is it like i'm just taking this day by day and you know that's just the creative process is how it goes or is it like I am on a five-year plan, and if I'm not holding multiple Grammys in five years, then this was a complete <laughs> waste of time. Obviously, that's a little extreme, but... Yeah. Um, I think it always... For me, it's both um, on a pendulum. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm on the other end, and I need to reel myself back in and be like, okay, you need to take it a day at a time. Um, but if you don't have those long-term goals or dreams that whether or not they are reality, they need to push you somewhere. And for years, I didn't have goals. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't have an album. I didn't know what to do. So I just had no direction. So I did nothing. And going to Prairie um, and being able to create and come out with something that would help me with my music career, like the EP and and, um, some skills and a habit of songwriting um, really helped give me the goals I needed. Okay, now I have an album so I can push towards another album or now I can tour because I have product to Mm -hmm. sell. Um, So I think it's important to have both. Um, I don't aspire to be Justin Bieber or or Taylor (laughs) Swift. Um, Like I don't feel like i need my own magazine guys Um, i just want it to be known i aspire to be justin bieber one day okay (laughs) um i don't know if you caught yeah but taylor swift released a magazine that's for sale in in walmart yeah like just about herself i i don't know i think it's like there's two volumes now but with this whole like her new release and so like good for her like she's such a smart business lady like she has such a great team behind her I don't know that I aspire to be that and I don't know that I want that and I don't actually know if I agree with that if I believe that that's healthy um because you see the demise of people of people that are 
um, a people that are put in in the place of God and cannot live up to those expectations because they aren't God. And if you don't have somewhere, for me, if I don't have somewhere to point the glory, I can take I can take some of the glory and respond. Thank you. Like, thank you so much. Yeah. I think it's important to be able to accept compliments. Um, but if I hold all these expectations that people put on me to be a god to them, I'm, I'm going to fail them and I'm going to fail myself. So right. I don't necessarily, as, I don't aspire to be a god for people. Right. Um, but Ajuna would be nice. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, like, um, things like that. Um, but I don't really dwell on that. I think I, the small victories for me are already, like, amazing. Um, I was nominated this year for two Calgary Music Awards, and I didn't win, but I didn't care. The nominations were amazing, and it was so awesome to have my name out there. Yeah, it used to be recognized, so, right? That's great. Yeah, so just little things like that are just more, those are the real steps, and I see so many people in the music industry that have been working in it for years and years, and they deserve way more credit than they've been given, but it shows me that you don't need to give up and you know, it takes time and that's where the real success is. Right. If, you know, if you're working and you are paying the bills with your music career, yeah. you're successful. Absolutely. In, and, and, and if the gigs keep coming, that's success. And I think it's hard. It's hard for me to stay in that because you always want more because yeah. you need to keep moving. But to have those things that always remind me okay i must be doing something right because things are still happening right um so yeah i think yeah you have to have the big goals um but still still stay calm and, and it is the everyday it's the everyday that builds up to the big goals like writing showing up to gigs um creating tours you know having interviews like this yeah yeah no, it's it's interesting that you said that. Just talking about like success and and everything, because I feel the exact same way about even this podcast. Like that's mm-hmm. not not necessarily that I started out with some like you know huge goal. Because Tarek and I, nowhere of a lie, this was born on us hanging out on his couch talking about podcasts, and then we're like, dude, do you want to start a podcast? He's like, that would be awesome, and like we just got. <laughs> so fired up on one saturday afternoon and then it finally became something yeah and it's like i would love to see this become such a success that like we can you know build enough revenue that this can be my job like that is the dream like right. the big big dream but at the same time i gotta remember like this is a day-by-day thing and we are nowhere near that mm-hmm. uh, but it's like it still you know pushes me you know in that same way like to, to keep moving, you know, every day, trying to make this experience better for our listeners, how to, you know, expand our reach and and also keep people interested, that sort of thing too, right? So, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. So, wow. Okay. So, let's break down real fast. I want to know your top three musical inspirations. Oh, man. Um... As a kid, okay, uh, I'm gonna say Alison Krauss. Okay. Blue, bluegrass, um, phenomenal 
She's the woman with the most um, Grammys. Okay. As a producer and writer. Um, Ella Fitzgerald was my jazz inspiration as a kid. Um, and... Oh, man. I don't know. I'm going to say Katie Lang. Those are both women. Or all three are, That's okay. of them That's are okay. women. So, Which is shocking for me. I love a lot of male singers. But those are kind of come into my head as, as women that are just strong in who they are and yeah. have such iconic and beautiful voices. Right. Okay. So check them out. How much time do you have? Do you have to I go soon or anything? This, no. Okay. No. Perfect. Cause I want to roll through some, uh, news stories with you. And then I got a couple ending questions to just kind of wrap up. Yeah. So, okay. Let's jump into some news folks. Uh, our first thing I want to throw out to you, um, I don't know if this guy, is Jesse Jackson part of the Jackson family? Um, I can, I don't know. Okay. I always wondered if he's like a brother of Michael or not. Anyways, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease today. Oh man. Uh, oh wait, no, this guy definitely isn't related to the Jacksons. (laughs) Sorry. Uh... He fought for civil rights alongside Martin Luther King Jr. in the 60s. So, how, okay. Hey, he's a reverend. Reverend Jesse Jackson. Anyways, uh, I wanted to ask you Do you think people want to hear news from you if they think that Jesse Jackson... (laughs) I didn't know, you know. um, I just thought Jesse Jackson, I know he's a popular figure. But let me ask you this. Do you think it's important for us to know... When public figures are with terminal disease, um, you know what makes okay. This sounds really harsh, but what makes um, Michael Bublé's child with cancer more sad or tragic than my mom dying of cancer? There's oh, a question. Like, that's a question. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nothing. But the right? fact is, is that, like, people gravitate towards it because it's Michael Buble, and maybe he probably didn't intend for it to be told as being a more sad story than everyone who's No, I'm just, deals with that it, was but... my, that was my point, but I think, I don't know if it's important or not, but I think for people, it's important because they want to feel like they're a part of that person's story and a part of something. So if they can, if they can tweet, you know, the family of Jesse Jackson and say that they're sorry for that, then they feel like they're a part of that process. Right. And so maybe that is important for, for, um, society but i think it really downplays the real the the real suffering that's going on absolutely you know like the people that are sick and can't afford treatment in the states yeah the people across the nation that are dying every day of starvation or you know i'm not here to like guilt people i'm definitely i'm definitely one of those people that are like oh i don't think about those things but you know I, I don't think we can avoid it, um, but I think that's where it comes from. People want to feel like they're a part of something. Look at the royal family, like the royal right. weddings. They're insanity. But people, and, and like in, in Britain, though, that is a part of their culture right. to be a part of the royal family and to 
idolize them. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the royal family because this leads literally right into my next story. Oh, snap. Uh, spoiler alert that uh, John Boyega, who plays Finn in the Star Wars franchise, mm-hmm. uh, he came out and told everyone that Prince William and Prince Harry both play a cameo in the latest Star Wars movie coming out uh, in December as Stormtroopers. Are you serious? So you don't even know who they are, but they're just in there. Well, I think it's now becoming this silly gag uh, among celebrities to play stormtroopers. Because I know Daniel Mm -hmm. Craig was one in um, The Force Awakens. That's hilarious. So for those that don't know, Daniel Craig plays, he's our current James Bond. But he plays the stormtrooper when Rey is being interrogated by Kylo Ren. Um, and she basically, like, fully touches into the Force and convinces him to, like, basically leave the room. Oh. Uh, so that's that's actually Daniel Craig in that suit. And so <laughs> now it's the two royal princes are apparently going to be stormtroopers in this oh, newest no. one. I don't know who they're going to be playing, but, uh, yeah. Grandma's not going to be happy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I just kind of wonder, could you imagine... What firstly, what the security was probably like on set when they were there. <laughs> yeah. But two, if there was ever like an incident or one of them got hurt, I just would be curious to know if there would be an uproar or if they'd be like, it's no big deal. They seem like they're down to earth guys, but at the same time, they're also one is the heir to the throne and the other one is well, I guess just Prince Harry. No, the, Harry. Cool. Harry's already dating. Isn't she an actress or a model or she's I know she's Canadian. That's literally all I know about. Oh, her. right on. So um so I feel like, you know, he's already kinda in that world maybe a little bit more than grandma would like. Right. Or dad. So yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they would have sued Disney or shut down the corporation, but I don't know. Like, how do you really prove that that they were the stormtroopers? Like, there, is there totally actual true. proof of that? You see, and I always wonder about that because the same thing. I also thought, like, what a stupid role to put them in as. Like, for sure, have them so their faces are revealed. Because... No, but maybe that's the point. Because <sighs> if they were actually in, like, revealed in a movie, I think that would have been a bigger deal. Well, that that would be to me. That's like would have been way cooler. But I don't think it would have gone over. I don't right. think they would have been allowed. Whereas Stormtrooper, where your faces are hidden. Oh, and maybe. get this. As I read deeper into this, uh, actor Tom Hardy also mm-hmm. is with them. So there's going to be three of them. And it's wow. the two royal princes <laughs> and Tom Hardy <laughs> as Stormtroopers. Tom Hardy is going to be this, like, Short, bulky, jacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he won't be able to fit in the suit. Yeah, against these two skinnier ones. So you just—that'll <laughs> be—that'll be comical. I'm sure you'll be able to see. There's going to be three of them standing together, apparently. So okay. when you go to watch the Last Jedi, folks, uh, that comes out in December, look for three stormtroopers <laughs> that seem to be together in some some setting. It sounds like. Uh, yeah. So, okay, let's jump into some, uh, I, I suppose it's like 
technology and biological advances. Um, the first one is Tesla is now developing a transport truck. So uh, a semi, if you want to call it that. And so it is going to be, I guess, it's a heavy-duty commercial vehicle, and uh, it's going to be electric. Hmm. And so... How are they going to... How long is it going to take to charge that? Like a week? <laughs> Those things are huge. Well, see, and that's what I kind of wonder. Apparently, it's going to be a $200,000 truck, which, I mean, a semi is not cheap to begin with. So that doesn't even actually seem that extreme to me. But that does put a good point in there. I don't know how... I feel like you would have to have some like solar panels on that bad boy. Something. I'm a person where I will drive until, like, I'm on fumes. So, like, I'm always, like, you know, it, it's E, and I'm, like, oh, I've still got, like, 45 minutes to drive. Oh. So if I was, like, on an electric car, I would get stranded so often because they're not, <laughs> they're not everywhere. The charges aren't everywhere. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's different in the United States. That's the thing because I know at least in central BC where city to city is, like, three hours apart yeah totally. <laughs> um, we have in williams lake we have one charging station and it's at the college and here in kamloops i the only one i know of is the one at the university here uh so i don't know how viable that is i would be curious to know how long it lasts uh, but how long does a, a fully charged tesla last um how long does a Tesla last? Um, the other thing is, is it when it's out and you need to charge it, you need a, a while. And it takes me about five minutes to fill up my car with gas. So that's my other issue with electric cars is people are about convenience nowadays that's true you know why unless unless you understand like you know your schedule and you know that you can you have 24 hours or 12 hours to charge your car right i don't i don't think it's gonna pick up okay so tesla's website is super broad on their description but they basically break (laughs) it down on your driving style your watts per mile yeah um and it can basically range anywhere from if you're a high wattage person so probably driving faster it only lasts uh 189 or 151 to 189 miles per charge okay um and if you're the most conservative driver you can go 272 to 340 miles which 340 miles is basically i think about 500 kilometers yeah um so not bad but also not great i don't know if that even equals out to being like i'd be curious to know if that's you know 90 to 100 kilometers an hour um because of like thinking highway right. driving and stuff but yeah. it's i that's where i would be skeptical with like transport trucks is like these guys are on the road for you know 12 to 16 hours a day hours those yeah. guys they need a, a battery that's gonna last that entire time yeah um and so, ugh, that's 
and chart like charge times that won't take for a, a yeah. night like a yeah. full night like yeah because that's not they're working. down for like six hours to sleep and then they're typically back up and on the on the road yeah. again right so yeah you got to be quick they got to figure that part out uh and then lastly this is my last little bit of news guys there is a surgeon named sergio canavero who in december will be working towards the world's first head transplant no someone is going to transplant the human head onto what onto another human and what do they expect is going to happen? He's going to wake up and be totally normal and fine. So is he going to have the same brain? Like, Well, that's just... what I'm trying to figure out here because that just doesn't seem right. This is playing God. This is Frankenstein. That's He describes himself as being part Peter Parker, who is Spider-Man, for those of you who don't know, so I don't get that part, <laughs> and Frankenstein. Yeah, this, you know... We all know that that doesn't end well. Oh, so. this I don't know how extensive this is, but apparently he's done it on dead bodies and it's worked. Yeah, uh, so did Frankenstein. <laughs> I don't know. Like the first oh, the man. first patient is a Russian gentleman named Valery Spiridinov who will have his head frozen and then grafted onto a new donor bot. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Time out. His head, a donor body? His head is going on to a different body. So yeah, I thought that was the point. Oh, see, here it's I was saying they were changing out a dude's head. No, they're... So it's like a body transplant more than it is a head transplant. They're going to take Wait. his head, his brain... Yeah. ...and put it onto a new body. This guy also seems to be in a wheelchair, so this makes sense, I guess. That, oh, uh, I see. That he wants to be able to probably walk and, you know, function, you know, uh, in in a little bit more of a, I don't want to say regular because that's rude and obnoxious, but he wants to be able to walk, I'm sure, is probably the biggest thing and just function more, re- like, regularly as a human. Unless Putin is doing some, like, new testing for maybe he can clone <laughs> his head or something and... Oh my Rule the world. goodness. See, now here, this is the thing. Tarek and I have talked about this before, but what do you think about this idea of like immortality being a thing? It's not immortality. I, I was actually corrected. Someone said that it's called amortality or something like that, where basically you can swap out your body parts or like with the stem cell research that's happening um, where they can inject stem cells and it can actually regrow like tendons and muscles um i feel like it's only a matter of time before they can do it with organs within your body um and basically like say you could shoot stem cells into a dying heart or a dying brain and make that person live another like 20 or 30 years i think i don't know that there's anything wrong with research that helps people function um better right or um helps them you know heal from their sickness or you know, if there's any way that we can cure certain diseases, yeah. I think that's fine. But I think the problem is, is the race for immortality. Yeah. This this race to I want to live forever. Live, lo- live forever. I yeah. think that's unrealistic. I don't think that's um, 
I think that's just not humanly possible. And I, and for my vantage point, I think it's, it's, you're trying to be God or you're trying to beat God. Yeah. Yeah. And, absolutely. and do that, do that yourself or, and so I, I just think that's chasing the wrong things instead of living um, a healthy life and, and thriving in the now it's kind of, you're chasing for the next specs, the next, next best thing. And I just don't, I don't know. We said we'd be flying in cars right now. Like, I don't know. It's just, maybe I'm a skeptic, but no, I just think it depends what the goal is. Are you there to help people or are you there to like help yourself and to, you know, what do you, what do you need to live forever for? Right. Right. Maybe that's a a dark comment, but like, (laughs) but we know like it's biology. Yeah. Death is at the end of this life. Like, why are we fighting what is inevitable? See, and to play the other side of that, I would say that's all we've ever known. And so right. to maybe expand our view and know that there's an opportunity to live longer through, you know, surgical and medical advancements. Um, is that is that wrong in any way? Because, like, to me, obviously only the the richest of the rich will be able to do these surgeries, I'm sure. Um, yeah, like it's not going to be cheap. But if you were, you know, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or whoever, right? Like some of yeah. these very wealthy people, um, and you wanted to see what society's like in 200 years from now, and so you're, you know, continually doing these surgeries or procedures, whatever they might be, to live longer. Um, is there harm in that? Is there not? You know, like there's some interesting stuff. I've I've read some stuff about. Mm-hmm. Um, them doing experiments on mice where they are drawing old blood out of a, an old mouse or blood from an old mouse and injecting it into a young mouse and doing the opposite with injecting the blood from a young mouse into an old mouse. Mm-hmm. And just that alone has changed the characteristics of how these mice live their daily life. Hmm. Like the the young blood inside that old mouse has rejuvenated that mouse to feel and act younger than it truly is in comparison to the other old mice that it's with. And the opposite has happened for that young mouse who was injected with old mouse blood. Wow. And it, it yeah. takes on these characteristics as if it is older than the ones around it. Wow. And so it's just That's like even blood transplants of if they tap into my 28-year-old veins and put it into a guy who's like 70, you mm-hmm. know. I wonder how that would work for families that cancer runs in their family. Yeah. And then families that don't. If you're tr- if you're doing blood transplants with people that have healthy blood or that cancer doesn't necessarily, well, there's, you never know with cancer. Right. But, you know, if that like heart disease and all those other things yeah. that they say are hereditary. Yeah. Yes. If there's something to that, I mean, you know, go for it. But at, at the same time, that should be more of a goal of a healthy well-being of life, not to live forever. I just think. Right. You know, that it's more so we need to live in the now of am I living, you know, my best day or am I thriving in how I'm living? Not just. Out, I don't know. 
for sure this might be you yeah but, you know you're you are right and i think there there comes to a point where like people do have to be kind of at peace with the concept of death and recognizing that like you know up to this point we never have been able to live longer than when our heart stops ticking and our brain stops working um and so realizing that even with all these advancements like the chances of you being able to afford them and them working automatically right away and stuff is probably pretty low so don't like hold your breath on this being a thing that's going to be a reality even for our generation but i i don't know what it brings for future generations you know but if you you know look back to you know the bible or historical times where things were recorded that people lived hundreds of years right right. you know what has changed right and and i you know and not necessarily that we can live longer based on our diet but i think you know look at modern day food and look at our environment look at electricity and radiation like all of those things i think we're fighting against a lot more than back in the day when things were a lot simpler. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, it's uh, that's an interesting one too. That that's a very good argument. Is society better off the way it is today, where we have like even instant communication, like how we're talking right now? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so many elements of that with where the energy comes from, how the internet works, you know, the electricity that you know powers our computers and the batteries that are inside of it and where they were mined from and you know what i mean like yeah there's there's a lot that goes into that but uh yeah it's it's interesting because you do read historical texts like the bible where people lived like 900 years and then you know age drops down to a point where like what was it in the 12 to 1600s where if you lived till 40 that was a long life Right. And now we're up but to But why was that? Was that a death toll? Was that illnesses? Yeah, that's know? that's a good point. It could also be a lot of like a lot more opportunity for mortality like in hand-to-hand combat or, you know, yeah. uh the chances of like going into wars or whatever it might be. Um and now we're at this point where, you know, it's not uncommon for people to live to 70, 80, even I wouldn't say it's common for people to live to 100, but you know, it's common for most people to know at least someone, if not multiple people who have lived to the age 100. Yeah. You know. I mean, look at look at the Seventh Day Adventists in in uh is it them? Yeah, in in California. What is it? Lego Lindo something or land Landolindo, mm-hmm. they um, are on a strict diet, and you know they live. They're record historically, statistically live longer because of how they eat. Yeah. And oh the, yeah. The Diet's lifestyle they have. So, I mean, if you're interested in living longer, maybe we should just all become Seventh Day Adventists <laughs> <laughs> and live in California, folks. And live, live in, in California. California. Yeah, we need our vitamin D. Oh man. Yeah. No. Okay. That was the news. Uh, I want to talk to you about a couple things here. Firstly, while we were discussing this, I thought of an an album title for you. You're <laughs> for gonna, my new album. You're gonna appreciate this for when the next uh, the next Carly Rearson album hits okay. hits the charts. Everyone, mark your calendar. Okay, I'm marketing this hard to you right now. Okay. Okay. It's gonna be a black and white photo on the on the cover. Well, you have that right. It's and gonna be black and white. Except there's gonna be one piece of color on there. Okay. Oh. It's gonna be okay. that like classic where it's all black and white except one thing. Uh huh. And we're gonna call it 
pickles. Because I'm thinking of things that describe Carly, and I don't want to say that, like, I, I don't want to call her Carly Pickles Rearson or anything, but I, I'm just thinking Carly's dad and herself jar these pickles, okay? Well, they Okay, jar I don't, my dad, I have to give my dad all the credit. Okay. I don't really do They much. They make the most unique pickles I've ever eaten in my life. Uh, for those of you that have ever eaten a pickle, you know that when you turn the jar... Whether you've made them yourself or not, you crack open the jar, you hear that click, and then you just dive in. When you open a Rearson Farm pickle jar, it fizzes like a can of Coke, and you're like, what am I about to eat? Because <laughs> there's so much like carbonation going. However, they are the most delicious pickles I've ever eaten. Are uh, they not? Oh, they were so I have yet so to have a better good. pickle. But, <laughs> yeah. but all I'm thinking is... A black and white photo with one jar of pickles that's freshly been opened, <laughs> and just the pickle is green. Okay. <laughs> and we'll just call it pickles. And what's the theme of this album? Like, what am I going to write about? I mean, pickles? you can write about whatever your, your heart desires. <laughs> I mean, you have to have a title track somewhere there. So. Is it more this symbolic thing of fermentation? Oh, there we go. It relates See? to grief and emotions look i'm just a creative genius here okay i, I okay. can't can't write that can't write the album but i'm telling you pickles for your debut album all right i i, think, I will i'll think about it i think that would draw a lot of people in be like oh pickles hmm i wonder what that's pickles. about and they'd be like hmm i better buy this and just uh take a little listen on the way home Right. I'm I'm telling you, pickles. That would make my merch sales easy. I could just sell oh. the pickles. And absolutely and like t-shirts with a big old pickle on them? Yeah. That's that's where it's at. <laughs> maybe maybe you could turn a pickle into some sort of mascot where he's like got sunglasses <laughs> okay. or a plaid shirt and uh yeah. Plaid I'm, shirt. Mhm. I'm telling you. Well, your your folk music, you know. So you really got to yeah. appeal to that like hipster, hipster the, crowd. The, yeah, it's all about the plaid. Oh man! And what are those boots called? Chelsea boots? Is that Chelsea, what they're called? Blunt stones. Yeah, but there's like yeah. a title for Chelsea like the, boots. Chelsea, Chelsea boots. boots. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the pickle would have to be wearing some of those as well. So okay. And maybe one of those hats that Pharrell wears all the time, because those are I like that hat. Oh, the the hard brimmed. Yeah, that like hat. pops up a million feet in the air. Yeah. But it would work on a pickle because he has <laughs> it would slide right down onto his head perfectly. That's true. So Great. you should you should quit your accounting job <laughs> and go into marketing. All I'm telling you is just Carly Rearson presents pickles, and okay. people are like, "Wow, this is this is thrilling." On the road, yeah, selling pickles, but also maybe, oh, man, there's just so, they could have a snack while they listen. Okay. Tell everyone okay. to, like, take I'll, a bite I'll at once to, like, it. help add to the ambiance of, uh-huh. ah, yeah. I'll have, like, dill-scented merch. Yes, yes, I'm telling you. See? Okay, so that's what I'm telling you. The next okay. album by Carly the next Rearson album. Gonna be Pickles. But, uh... Let me ask you what um, what does that timeline look for you when uh, when we're gonna get to hear the the first full album? Is it is it still a long ways away or is it like I've got everything written now? I just gotta pay for it to be. 
put together or what? Um, well, it's kind of in the second process. Okay. Um, I actually got together with one producer last week um, and shared some of my songs and another producer this week. So I'm I'm looking around for producers um, just to find the right fit for my vision for the album. And I need to write some more, but um, and then I need to get funding. So if anyone out there is rich and just wants to give me like 15 grand, awesome. Um, but yeah, so after I, I'm going to do some demos in the new year and um, apply for some grants and hopefully, um, yeah, within the next year or, yeah, beginning okay. of 2019, I don't know. Okay. So it's an, it's a process. You never know how things are going to pan out. Um, obviously, when it recording happens, it, it doesn't take too long, but getting everything lined up. So that's kind of in the back of my mind right now. Um, For sure. Hopefully something I can do in the next year. So for sure okay yeah well you know we do get some downloads from california Tarek's convinced it's elon musk i'm convinced it's got to be dr dre so <laughs> dr dre I, if you're listening sure. you're you're a music producer sure already styles jive you know dre he's got to reinvent himself at some point he's getting right. up there in age okay. i mean now he's like businessman with apple like you could get into the folk music business here dre if you're listening to this, True. think about yeah. it. And and jazz, if you want like a female Michael Bublé, we could do, we could it, talk about that. Look at that. Think about <laughs> this. And how marketable are pickles, Dre? How marketable? Right. Hmm? Everyone loves pickles. Not everyone loves pickles. Most oh, people. Yeah. If you don't love pickles, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. But uh, all right. Well, uh, your current music, where can people find it? Uh, it's on iTunes and Spotify and other places. It might be on Google. On um, Google Play? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think so. Um, and my website and in person. Um, if you happen to be able to buy it in person, all the money goes to me. Yes. So that's always the best way. Um, iTunes, I don't really see much. Um, so... That's another conversation for another day. Absolutely. Yeah, artists, you know what? Artists do not get all the money from iTunes. That's. I'm glad you talked about that because I do want to have you on again, and I do want to talk about the music industry itself. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, guys, if you have access to iTunes, Spotify, uh, check out Google Play if it's on there. Um, check out CarlyRearson.com. We'll have a link in on our Facebook page uh, for her um check out her music i love it uh you guys are obviously you'll have heard a little bit uh at the beginning of this podcast and we'll probably play out to it as well and uh yeah check her out and if you're in the central southern alberta region look up on her website to see if she's playing anywhere in that area because she is based out of calgary alberta and uh Get in touch with her and tell her to come and host a concert near you. Or a house concert. Exactly. Sure yeah. And if you talk nicely, maybe she'll bring pickles. Maybe. <laughs> I'm telling you, pickles is going to be a thing. All right, guys? Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. We are out. And uh, thanks so much for coming on. Just a lonesome girl. 
There's no place to call my own No love for me to feel Then you found me and I felt the things My heart was longing for When you held me close I knew my home was yours Because home is in the arms of the one you love It's the shelter from the thunder and the storms above When my world begins to fall Arms. 